We are in our breakthrough series, um, and I'm excited for the word that God has given me to share this morning, and we're going to respond this morning to this word with some singing and declaring like we've done this morning. Um, so if you felt, wow, the, the singing part of our worship was a little bit short, hang in there, we're going to get to some more, and that's going to continue into tonight. But why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 16. We're going to study a personal favorite to me passage together on breakthrough and with regards, especially with regards to our worship lifestyle that we live. This series has been incredible, and I love hearing some responses about how you guys are saying you are equipping us for the future with a biblical response to suffering and hardship. And that's been the hardest to say, here is a whole lot of of weapons and tools for you to go into this walk of life. Because we know what life is like. There's an ebb and flow of good times and hard times. So when you face something again, you've got the ability to now go to the Word of God and say, God, this is how I act and what I should do. And I want to reiterate something I shared last week. That suffering is a part of life. But where it meets the gospel, it brings the light. Is that we will face suffering in this life. But if we can, can put the word of God to it and understand what he's doing in the midst of it, it will bring incredible delight to you. So I want you to, to not forget what we've shared over these past few weeks. To bind it around your heart. If you have forgotten, to go and listen to the things again and, and get yourself to a place and a position that when trials and suffering come, you are in a better stance to approach it and to see the breakthrough in your life. Let's read together. For this morning's reading, out of chapter, uh, Acts chapter 16, chapter, chapter 8, eight acting, sorry, <laughs> my English is already up, I don't know how I'm going to get through this morning, my Afrikaans brain is switched on, I apologize for that. We're going to start in verse 20, it'll be up on the screen and you can follow in your Bibles, I'm reading from the ESV. As I'm speaking about Paul and Silas. And uh, I'll give some context after the reading. And when they had brought them, Paul and Silas, to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And when they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in this house, in his house, and he took them 
the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Lord, thank you for these incredible stories that we can look at. Lord, these aren't myths. These aren't just imaginations put into paper. These are real stories about real men and women, Father, who experienced the power of God. And I pray, Lord, as we discuss your word and discover it this morning, that that power will be working in our lives. Pray that you will anoint your words, that it will come through in a way that's clear and understanding and that you will speak loudly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If there was ever a plot to a story in the Bible, this is a very good one. The very enemy that had beaten these guys and put them in the inner prison, a couple of hours later, washes their wounds and put food before them. Isn't that amazing? I think if you've got to make a movie of this, it'll, it'll be a, a good seller because the plot is incredible. And a little bit of context as Paul and Silas have been on a bit of a journey and a couple of verses before that, Timothy have just joined them. An incredible profound moment when Paul discovered Timothy and said, there's something on this guy. And he said, come and walk with me. And then they walked on a journey through Asia. And they went through some various regions in Asia where they were desperate to proclaim the gospel, but the Holy Spirit said, don't, hold back. Don't proclaim the gospel here yet. I love how these guys were incredibly spirit-led in everything they did. And then Paul had this dream about a man in Macedonia who called him and said, come. And the Macedonian call happened, and then they said, we need to get to Macedonia as quickly as possible. And they entered the city of Philippi, And that was their first entry into the region of Macedonia. One of the key cities, and this is to this church that later on Paul wrote the book of Philippians, or the letter to the church in Philippians. And when they came there, they they walked around for a couple of days and and try and see what it is that God wants them to do. They started proclaiming the gospel, but there was a young slave girl who was demon-possessed who walked behind them the whole time, and she shouted things at them. And the Bible said that Paul got annoyed with this. So he turned around after a few days and he said, in the name of Jesus, and he he reprimanded the demon and the demon left and this girl was set free. The slave girl was set free. Her owners weren't happy with the situation because they used her to, 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 as a fortune teller for people because of the demon. So they realized, you know what, we're going to run out of cash because our business just closed because of these two men coming in. And uh, they were totally upset. So they took Paul and Silas, these owners, to the magistrates, threw them down and said, they are exercising practices which is not lawful to us as Romans. The magistrates didn't ask anything. They just immediately started beating them. And the crowds joined in. So it wasn't a little spank in class. We're like, you've been naughty. Don't do that again. The entire mob joined in and beating these guys, the magistrate pulled off all their clothes off their bodies. They were completely naked and humiliated and beaten blow upon blow upon blow. And the magistrates came in and said, another one. And they hit them again. Another one, they hit them again. The Romans were renowned for being extremely brutal in, in the way they treat 
people that they martyred. So just imagine for a minute Paul and Silas' state of mind. Like, we just set someone free. That's all we did. We loved her and we wanted her to be free. And yes, we were probably a little bit annoyed with the demon, but someone's been set free and here we are beaten up for it. And the message I have for us this morning, I want to call W is for worship. Because we're going to look at this story and we're going to find three W words that these guys dressed themselves in in this moment. I've thought about this long and hard in my own walk. If I had to go through all of that humiliation and the beating up, I would have probably played victim and said, okay, God, you know what? I'm out of this game. I know you've called me and this and that, but after all of that, you still want me to stand up strong and face this world? Why haven't you come through and just not let them beat me up? Then the story continues And they were thrown into the inner prison, not just a a jail cell with a little door, the dark pit at the bottom of the prison where it was cold and, and, and probably damp and on the ground and their feet were fastened in stocks. So not... There's a chair, imagine the prison cells we have, and, and excuse me for doing this, but they were literally down on the floor like this, with their feet fastened. So the only position they could have is this, or back down on their backs, naked, no clothes on them. I was imagining what I would have done in that moment. I think in my weakness, I would have been so close to denounce my faith and say, God, I'm giving up. I don't have strength. But then the story and the plot thickens and it changes all of a sudden. I could imagine the two of them saying, Silas saying, Paul, isn't Jesus amazing? Paul saying, yes, he's incredible. His steadfast love endures forever. Silas saying, you know what? Like Lamentation says, though he breaks me, I will worship him. Paul's saying, you know, like Job said, even though I'm slayed, I will hope in him. And Silas says, you know what? He's amazing. He set that girl free. And Paul's like, you know what? Why don't we sing to him? And the next moment, no band, no lights, no stage, no loud music. No new CD, no new car system, no new earphones or headphones. Two voices started singing a hymn to God, putting the focus back on Him. This is the key to the breakthrough that they experienced. Even in life's darkest days, Christ is deserving of praise. Even in the darkest of moments, even when we flat on our backs with our feet and stocks, beaten up, bruised, shivering from fever or shock after being beaten up so badly, could imagine they maybe try to sing, but they were humans. We, we think about these guys as superhumans, that they just walked and these things happened and it didn't touch them. They were like you and me. And I know that I would go into terrible shock if I'm beaten up like that. They probably started singing with a shaky voice. But I can imagine that voice, the more they sang and the shakiness becomes bolder and bolder and bolder and they just sang to God boldly. 
So the first thing I want to leave with you this morning is that Paul and Silas knew that worship is a well. That there's a water for them to drink. That when they drink from this, in their most thirsty moment of life, they will be satisfied. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They knew they had no other choice but to turn to the refresher of their souls and start drinking from the well of worship. And say, okay, my only way out of this situation is him. Yes, my love for him has caused me to be here, but the only way out is to go back to him and say, you are amazing. Recounting the incredible things he's done. Quoting scriptures or prophecies from years back that they probably knew by this time. Saying, Jesus, you are beautiful. You are amazing. We just want to come. And like the woman at the well who was thirsty, we want to come and drink from what you have for us. So we're going to sing about your goodness. The Bible says that God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in They knew in that moment that yes, their outer bodies were nearly dead, but the spirit man in them can still connect with God. And they said, we need a connection with God, so we're going to worship him in spirit. We're going to let our spirit sing even though our outer selves are wasting away. But the second part of what I love about this is they heard themselves speak truth over their situation by singing the word of God, by singing about this God, the defender, the one who sets them free, the one they gave their life to. So as they sing to to their situation, they heard it and they started believing it. And therefore, it's so important for us in our journey as a church to have moments like today where we sing the truth and the word of God so that we can believe it. They were totally satisfied in this moment by drinking from this well spring of life. And I thought about this, and I want to ask you a question. What's your conditions for worship? Because our worship has become so conditional. If we don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it. If I don't like that song or that person on stage, I'm going to hold back. If he or she doesn't have the great voice, then it's a little bit difficult to sing. Aren't we like that as humans? Maybe not all of humans, but pretty much us in our, in our world where it's all about being spectators and not participators. I don't care if the band makes 10 mistakes or 100 mistakes in the morning. Elena came and sat next to me the morning and she said, did you hear all the mistakes? I said, no, I didn't because I didn't focus on that. I just focused on the incredible God that we're singing to. And I don't care if there's mistakes. Yet our, our worship has become so conditional. Everything needs to feel right. Oh, it's too cold this morning. I can't lift my hands. I'm going to sit near the the heater. I'm not looking at the people around the heater. I'm joking. Don't worry. (laughs) It's too cold to sing. Or I'm not going to shout a shout of praise because it's too hot. And I don't want to be sweaty and smelly and have to see people after church and give them a hug. These guys had nothing else. They didn't care. Their stage were flat on their backs with their feet and stocks saying, Jesus is deserving, so I'm going to praise him. And they raised their voices and praised him loud and with pride in their hearts. That's the kind of worship that God is after. We, we don't tick our boxes of condition and now, okay, I know the song, I can sing along. What I love about their state of mind, and I I really put myself on what it must have been for them. 
is they probably recited Isaiah 61 to one another. A prophetic word pointing to Jesus. And speaking about Jesus, it says, what Jesus will do, he will give to them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I can imagine Silas telling Paul, you know what, Paul, isn't there a scripture that says that Jesus gives us, instead of this weak spirit, he gives us some singing and praise? And then Paul probably said, you know what, and it's not, it is, I'm not saying this is truth, I'm imagining how they quote scripture to one another. Paul said, yes, he will give us the oil of gladness where there's heaviness. So why, why not sing? Why not open up our mouths and praise God? And we all know how easy it is to say, praise Jesus when things are well in life. But there's a truth in here that if we get this and we go to the wellspring of life, even in our darkest days, that we will see victory. I love how God spoke to us, not planned this morning through the story of Jericho. Can you imagine? They're like, thank you, Jesus. We've made it through the wilderness. We're in the promised land. And the next step, like, goodness, we're up against something again. And God just said, put your trust in me. I've brought you this far. I've been your supply, everything you needed, your food, your water. I'm the well. Jesus is our well. And in our times of worship, we draw from an everlasting stream of life that never runs dry. Therefore, it's so important for us to sing. Therefore, it's so important for us to have this moment. It's amazing to see that the transformation only happened after the singing and praying. It's not the other way around that God came in. God was, I'm sure, pretty clear on that he's going to get these guys out of prison. But he waited for them to first respond, saying, you are still deserving. Even though we are on our backs and our stage looks terrible, we're going to sing to you, our king. The second thing that we learn in this passage is that worship is a weapon. The scripture reads this, and suddenly, and it's in the same sentence where it says they were singing and praying to God. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Oh God, that you won't delay. As we sang this morning. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. They first had to sing and draw from this well and work in their hearts and count the joy that they were in this position because God is creating in them a far greater weight of glory as we heard last week before God moved. And that's often our first step when we're in trial is to say, God, regardless of the outcome, I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise you. But then when we do that, we realize that God uses our praises as an incredible weapon in our warfare. I remember some stories, and I might have shared some of even what I'm sharing in my message this morning, but I feel that it's so profound for us to hear this again. But two stories in my own life where I experienced this. The first time, the first story briefly is we, we encountered a lady who was terribly demon-possessed, unplanned. She was in my mom's house for a visit, and the next moment, there was incredible manifestation of demons. And we tried all our effort to address these demons and say, in the name of Jesus, go. Because that's what the Bible says we can do. 
But it was a bit of a war. It didn't quite happen as easily as I would have wanted it to do. And the next moment, I'm like, God, we're not feeling the breakthrough. What should we do? And I felt an urge in my heart to worship. So I ran to my room, and if you guys know what my guitar playing is like, it's terrible. And I just sat in the room where my mom was praying with her. Helena was there. And I just started singing, This is my desire to honor you. That's all I knew. It's like G, E minor, C, D. It's like very simple. It's all I knew. And I just started singing it. And the next moment, something happened and she was completely set free. She just gave a massive sigh and we could see that God did his work and we started ministering to her. And all the time while we were ministering to her, just kept worshiping around her in that room. Another story is when I was in India, 2009, and my brother-in-law fell terribly ill in the hospital. I needed to wait for some papers outside the hospital in Varanasi, the darkest place I've ever seen in my entire life. It is just, the darkness just rests on everyone there. And I was outside the hospital waiting for these papers, and an Indian man walked past me, and he looked me in my eyes, and, and he spoke something in his language to me, which I didn't understand. And as he left, I immediately started shivering with fever. I was extremely nauseous and I wanted to to collapse. And I realized what happened is that I'm in a spiritual war. This guy might have said something or maybe a curse put a curse on me. I don't know. And all I knew to do was to open my mouth and start singing. For maybe about 15 minutes at the top of my lungs in Afrikaans, I worshipped Jesus. And all these Indian people walked around me looking at me very strangely. And then about 10, 15 minutes later, I felt completely renewed and refreshed. No shadow of sickness in my body. And then I realized that that scripture is so true. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And what are those strongholds? To destroy the arguments and every lofty opinion against God and against Jesus. You see, when we realize that worship is a well, and when we worship, God brings, and He acts, and He brings the breakthrough that we can't. It's a relinquishing of ourselves and saying, and I can imagine Paul and Silas like, there was no way out of there. They were on their backs. said, the only way we can get out of this is when God acts. And He said that when we worship and put our focus on him that he's going to move. And they recounted the stories of years back when the Israelites put the musicians and the Levites in front when they faced their armies. And because of that, they saw the breakthrough. And they probably thought about Jericho. Before there was a shout of victory, there was a sound of music when the people played the trumpets. Sorry, and I'm not quoting movies here. Brian is laughing because I said there was a sound of music. That wasn't planned, that just happened. But the trumpets played first, making a sound of worship unto God, and then the people shouted their praise of victory. So we can understand that, yes, we can come to that place. We will receive from Jesus everything we need in our most dark and hardest moment. But he doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't just want to come and satisfy us in that moment. He's got something better planned. He's got a breakthrough. So then say, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that this weapon of warfare will be used. So worship is a well and worship is a weapon. 
In Christ, every battle is a victory. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. And maybe it's just, as Neil said this morning, it's shifting your position on whatever battle you might be in. Saying that in this battle, I'm going to sing. I have confessed negatively. I have confessed doubt and fear. But I'm going to start singing and put him at the center of my life again. Because you will see the victory come from that. And then the last W is worship is a witness. Oh, I love this part. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When God moves mightily in our lives and in our community and brings breakthrough to us, not only do we benefit, but those around us benefit from it. And in this case, a whole lot of unsaved people. They were in the prison with criminals. They were in the prison with people who deserved to be there because of terrible things they've done. And the grace of God came in that moment and set everyone free. Maybe that's the breakthrough that you've been contending for. Maybe you'll see in the end that God let the thing delay for a short while because there's people that he needed to come around you so that when you receive your breakthrough, they all benefit from it. Maybe it's a family member. But I love this. The Bible said that the others were tuning in. They were listening to their singing. I can imagine those criminals thinking, oh, these Christians, they are off, off the rails. They their ducks aren't in a row. Why would they sing praises to their God if he's the very reason that they are on their backs beaten up like that? Our worship is a witness. And your worship ring loudest when life is hardest. When you are in your most hard situation at work, in your own life, in sickness, and yet you choose to worship God, that's the kind of worship that the world looks at. It becomes a witness like, Goodness, how does he or she even do that? Then we realize it's not just about us and us drinking from the well and us getting free, but there's a whole community around us that God's going to impact through the lifestyle of worship that we live. I love how Paul and Silas responded with such grace to the guy who put them in prison. He was about to kill himself. He was ready to say, that's it. These guys are probably going to jump up and, and, and come and get me now because I'm the reason that they are in there. And he drew his sword ready to take his own life. And Paul shouted with a loud voice. He wanted to make sure this guy hear it. Don't kill yourself. There's grace. This is a God moment. Even though you are the reason that I'm here, God is coming through not just for me, but for you as well. And he's showing you today that he loves you just as much as he loves me. You need to understand that with worship, I, I, I heard this recently and it, it really made sense to me. The worship that you give to God through trial, that kind of worship offering we will only be able to give him on earth. We won't be able to give that to him in heaven because there won't be any trial anymore. So let's embrace it and say, God, this offering I can only give to you in this life, so I'm going to give it. I'm going to sing regardless of what happens around me. Your worship rings loudest when life is hardest. 
If you are able to rise above and, as Neil said this morning, to, to stand strong. And I love that scripture that Lucy read out of Habakkuk, where the Lord's army comes and says, we're standing with you. Go and find the gold that I have for you. When we are able to get to that position, the world is going to be changed dramatically. I recently, or not recently, this week heard a story that bowled me out. And I love these kind of stories. And often when I hear these stories, I take it with a pinch of salt because it's one of those stories that could usually go three, four, five times. And then by the time you get it, you don't have the facts. Here's the good news. The story that I'm giving you today is a secondhand fact. Okay. Well, second-handed to me, so I'm third in line. But a guy in our church who works um, up in Africa in the Middle East through missions, I had a time of visit with him this week. And he said he was in Egypt, and he met this guy who told him the story of his life. And um, let's call him Jay for the sake of a story. So Jay came and shared his, his testimony with, with Donnie. And he said, so here's what happened to me. I accepted Jesus. Uh, I'm from an Islam family. Uh, family. I, ex- family. I told you my English. <laughs> I'm from an Islamic family. And what happened is I went to my mom and I told her that I got saved through Jesus. And obviously they weren't happy with that. But it was kind of peaceful. And he said, and on a day, his uncle came to him. He said, let's go for a ride. I want to go and introduce you to a business proposal that I have for you. And in their community, or in their, in their belief, it's, and in Egypt especially, your uncle is like your dad. So he said, okay, I'll go with you. So he gets in the car, excited for the business proposal, and as they drive and, and they keep driving, he, he realized, listen, we're getting out of the city, and they get further away from Cairo, further away from the city, they got outside to a, to a desolated area, and, and there's a farm and a little building. And Jay's uncle took him out of the car, led him to the tree, bound him to the tree, and started beating him. Because he's now a Christian. And Jay tells the story of how for a week long, he lost count. His uncle would come every day, hung him upside down. By that time, he was totally naked, and take sticks and beat him. Saying, will you deny Jesus? And he says, no. Day in and day out. He said it was maybe a week in that he was on the floor. And because of all the beatings in his body and being hung upside down and his own soil running over his body. His body started itching terribly. Like really, really bad. So he was on the floor in the little house that they leave him in overnight. And he said, Jesus, you know I'm not going to give up on you. But this, this itch is way too hard for me. I can deal with the pain. But, but itching like this and not being able to, to scratch myself because he was bound, bound up, it's too hard. And he said, can you just take that away from me? I'm okay. I'll take the pain for you, Jesus. I'm not asking you to take away the pain. Because your Bible said that I'll be persecuted for you. But this itch, it's too hard to handle. The next moment, a baby calf walked into the little room with its coarse tongue and started licking him. And he tells a story of when he turned on his side, because was, there was an itch here, the, the cow would go there and start licking him. And he would lift up his arm, and then the cow would lick under his arm, until every part of the itch in his body was completely gone. 
And he lay there and said, thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer. His uncle came ready to beat him again. And he was ready to take the beatings. And then his uncle saw him and he said, you are washed. Who washed you? He said, it was Jesus who washed me. And his uncle fell down on his knees and said, I need this Jesus. And got saved in that moment. This is the power of God at work when we can't anymore. And when we say, God, we're not going to give up on our worship to you. And can the worship team come and join me? We're not going to stop praising you and putting you at the center of our lives. Even though we're in our darkest days. If we do that, our worship will become a witness to this world. And we will see many more coming into salvation and following Jesus. The end result of the story is that his whole family got saved. And Jay is out and about planting churches, advancing the kingdom of God in his nation. And I want to read a scripture to you again as we get ready to sing this morning. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16 to 18. I shared this last week. But I want you to see it again. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If I had two scales here this morning, and I'm saying let's weigh affliction And let's weigh glory. Your toughest affliction will not compare in weight to the glory that God has for you. So as you draw from the well of worship, as you pick up this weapon of your warfare and say, God, you're going to crash through my enemies as I put my focus on you and sing about you and make it about you. Not about me, not what I can get, not singing songs where it's focused on me and my needs, singing songs where it's all about you and that you are still a great God even amidst my worst trial. We will see a great glory come when the witness of that life to this world is so profound that many more will say, that's the kind of God that I want to serve. That even though his people are wasting away, they still sing of him. He must be an incredible God. So Lord Jesus, this morning, we pray that we would be like Paul and Silas. Where we say, let's sing to Jesus. That's our only way out. Lord, some of us might feel that that's our only way out this morning. But we want to say to one another like they might have done in that moment. There's nothing better. Paul might, might, might have started singing. Oh God, you are great and beautiful. Silas might have responded saying, your faithful love is true. And this morning we want to be like them. Who in the midst of what we're facing, worship you for who you are. Thank you Lord Jesus.